0: You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers, by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good-humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half-truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is The Elevator's Cut. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Elevator's Cut. I'm Roger Gaddis, And I'm Jason Wheeler. And today we're going to talk about a phenomenon, if you will, that's been happening lately. It's nothing new. Of course, nothing we talk about on here is really new. But uh, we thought it was an interesting topic to discuss in light of um, the current outlook of the corn market going forward here as we are in 2019 looking into the bright and unburnished future that is the
1: grain market so jason what am i talking about i don't know you use a lot of words uh but yeah we want to talk about how folks are hedging their new crop 2020 corn purchases in not new crop 2020 futures uh and and it's it's a it's a spread play it's a it's a risk that uh that people are taking that you know there's as a I believe it's Ecclesiastes that it says there's nothing new under the sun, and uh, this has happened before. We've seen it, and and there are definitely some some pitfalls and uh, and all that. So, anyways, we wanted to talk about that and and what that means. I think it was in the Book of Ecclesiastes, but I believe it was King Solomon who said that. Well, that's up for debate. It was a. Uh, if you want to get into biblical thing here, it said uh, it was a ruler that was a son of David, uh, but it was a. Uh, but I mean I, I mean Israelites today call themselves sons of David. Still I'm the so, son of I mean, David. Randy, you are the son of the devil. <laughs> well whatever. Um, <laughs> anyways, this is helpful. Uh the, we we needed to give you guys a good biblical background before we delved into this zeitgeist and and swimming we, motions. <laughs> I'm doing swimming motions and the uh the 70s disco thing where you plug your nose? And go Cocaine? <laughs> What's we- going on today? <laughs>
0: it's been a long week, folks. The market's a bit up, down, sideways, and back again, and it's been nutty. Yes,
1: Yet, sir. Yet here we
0: are. We've triumphed. It has. So, where does this come from? Does this come out of left field? Well, seemingly, but not really. Uh, this was about a month ago. Now, kind of right before we got into this rally, it's it's mid June 2019 right now, and, and when this rally started here a month, five weeks ago, is, is when we uh, this was brought to our attention or the attention of the you know the grain trading world now. But you had some folks that were out there bidding 2020 harvest delivery corn, but hedging using the July 20 futures, which is a 19 crop futures month, not a 2020 crop futures month. And you know, it's why is that? Well, you can't deliver corn that you're not going to grow until uh, you know, have harvest until September, October, in June before July r- rolls off the board. So that's the easy way of knowing that's not the right month to be hedging against. But the reason you know they're doing this is because it, it made for a better looking bid for that crop. And again, This came out really before this last rally. Now that the rally's happened, it's kind of a moot point. Um, But we think the folks that got in on it, uh, it's not so much of a moot point to them because they're probably feeling the negative effects of doing such right now.
1: You know, I I wouldn't necessarily assume anything because what what entices people to do that in the first place is— Hey, July is a little higher, right? We want to hedge. If we buy grain, we're going to, as as an elevator, we buy grain, we sell futures to stay hedged from price risk. This still does that. This still does hedge your price risk. And what they're doing is, so if I buy it at whatever cash price I would sell the futures, I want to sell the futures as high as possible. You know, maybe I make an agreement with the farmer, price goes up a little bit and I sell it. Hey, I just got a little bit better basis than I thought. Sometimes it goes the other way to get a little worse basis than you thought, but anyways, it works itself out over time. But uh, so what they're what they see is, hey, normally July to December, especially the last several years, we're we're uh, slaves of the recent history sometimes uh, in in many levels of this business, but for the last several years july to dee it's carry we've built up a big carry one of the historic uh carries carryovers i should say um stocks to use ratio that sort of thing very large so we got big carryover and and all this stuff and um july dee has been going to carries for the last you know several years so we should be good uh so let right now it's about even, a little inverted even. So people will say, well, hedge it in July when that thing goes out to a carry like it has the last several years. Then we'll move it out and we'll pick up all that carry. We'll get extra carry because elevators love picking up carry. And when it's free like that, it's carry from beforehand or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> the, quote unquote free. <laughs> yeah. Out of uh, so anyways. That so that's the that's the thought process is is uh, hey that's good when that thing flips back around we'll move it out and pick that up. So that that's the the thought process, but of course we all know um, uh, there there's two sides of that, right? Sure, you could pick up if the if the market turns around and goes to a carry, uh, the, that spread, I should say, but if it goes the other way, of course you'd be you'd be not doing well. So that's so the, so the thought process there. What gets what gets them there? Uh, now that spread we just looked before, and what was it? 48 cents inverted right now. So people start doing this uh, for, and and I looked at the history of this spread uh, for, for a year it's bounced around between maybe five or 10 cents inverted to even about for over a year. And then around early May or so, it just took a, took a nosedive. And and when it did, it incentivized people more and more that hadn't been doing it to maybe we should do some of that. And because it's going to come back and now, it's the people who started doing that are not in great shape. Um, but if you hadn't done much of it, you think, hey, do a little more, average it down. Uh, so this bigger inverse, maybe a greater incentive for guys to do that. I don't know.
0: Yeah, time will tell. Uh, for sure, the ones that haven't done it yet, the ones that already have, are probably wishing they wouldn't have. But uh, so it goes. The you know the the whole you know this just goes into the face flies in the face of the you know proper hedging theory which is you know buy the uh when you buy grain you you sell futures in the month where the delivery is going to happen and vice versa i mean that's that's just you know hedging 101 and this tries to take a a different tack which is it's unnecessary you don't have to spec on spreads with physical grain i mean you can do that on your on another account on the side you know not. Not that that would make it right necessarily, but it's it's not necess- like you said it's not a necessary thing to do. And when we first heard about this, you had some folks in Illinois doing it, and it was you know they're buying new crop versus the dies, and they're they were hedging in July. And in Arkansas, uh, some folks down there were doing it. Of course, they buy new crop versus a SEP, and you know doing that uh, spread to the with the July. So both of them, you know, were are hedging in a, in a too early of a month for for proper hedging. And when they when we first started hearing about this, uh, you know like Jason said that spread was flat. So if the case in Arkansas was new crop bids for 2020 corn were roughly 10 over the SEP was roughly the bid in the country. And so this particular buyer, this particular company, was out there bidding 10 over the July, and there was about a five cent inversion from July to seP. so that that rea- reality was they were you know were, they were buying, uh, fifteen over the SEP. they were pushing the bid a nickel. Well, if you're going to push the bid a nickel already, you could probably get it bought and still hedge where you need to. But they thought, well we'll show a better bid now, better price now, and then hoping and if that spread goes back to a say a ten cent carry in July SEP, go to a ten cent carry, well now we own it cheaper than if we would bought it at ten over, by nickel.
1: Yeah and, and uh, is, so. So the thought process behind that is is uh, is let's give we we think we're gonna pick up this we're about to just make a bunch of money basically is what they think off of this spread because we know where it's going and we're gonna make money off of it. One of the great Mister White quotes is is the uh, the worst thing you can have on a on a spread is an opinion. Um, so you got to think of what, what our business is. We'll get into that. But, but their, their thought process was, I'm about to make all this money. And, and really they're taking risk to do it, whether they're a hundred percent sure this is going to happen or not, they're taking a risk to do it. And instead of actually making all all of that spread, since they're going to take the risk to do it, they're, they're giving it away before it's even happened, um, to, to the farmer. So, for farmers, listen doing, the, uh, listen to this, and you're like, oh no, is this gonna be an issue for me? Well, it's a great opportunity for farmers, is what it is, because mm-hmm. it's guys taking risks that they don't know the outcome of. No, no matter how sure they feel they are, they don't know the outcome of the it's, risk. It's and, uncertainty. Yeah. And before they even profit, what they think they're gonna do, they're giving it away. So it's a great deal for farmers, um, as long and, as
0: they, the company doesn't do a whole bunch of them and go under, and you can't pay anybody. That's, there's that's there's a the risk. risk. Yeah, there's the risk, and not an unprecedented one either.
1: <laughs> right. So, so that's uh, that's the deal. But but it goes back to so from a, now. now I'll switch to the the grain perspective, the grain elevator perspective. It goes to the thought of to me, what business are we in, and what do we use futures for? Well, as a grain elevator that hedges trades trades basis and stuff, and you can say trades spreads too, in an, you know, in to a certain extent, is our our goal is to hedge grain, capture changes in basis, and uh, use spreads to connect those uh, purchases and sales and and all that. So, uh, which is all good. Here's the deal. Um, like Roger said, this is. That to do all that, you have to hedge in the month where delivery happens and uh, and all that. And you're using your spread to connect where your delivery of your sale is going to happen and all that. Um, when you're doing this sort of thing, what you're doing is just simply speculating on a spread. I mean, that's it. So you could, if you if you had this opinion, this very strong opinion, you could hedge your stuff like normal versus Dees if or SEP, whichever, if you're in the South, uh, but you can head yourself, your, your stuff just like no- normal and not take this spread risk. But if you really were passionate about this change of spread, you, there's just way too much overhead in, in the grain elevator business to make your money off of trading spreads. All you need's in a spec account to do that. You, you can do or, that all or day long. Venture capital backing. You could deal with that too. Yeah. You can do a lot of venture capital, uh, <laughs> backing. Um, is that what Bernie Madoff called it? Venture capital. Yeah, I in? think so. Okay. That sounds about right. That's a venture. That sounds um, adventure. And capital happened. So the you know so
0: you might be listening thinking well what's the connection? Why would a buyer in Illinois and a buyer in Arkansas be doing this? I have a strong hunch they probably have the same broker and the, the brokers who probably had the idea and spread down. Um, so again, it's not a necessarily a thing that that. Elevators or buyers are sitting there thinking of their own. They could be, but much like all the other information out here in the marketplace, uh, specifically when it comes to say producers and their selling habits, it's usually someone plants the seed and it, uh, it germinates and then it does whatever it's going to do.
1: And we understand the irony. As Roger and I work for a company called White Commercial, it works with grain elevators. And we are futures brokers. We handle their futures brokerage, but obviously, we in our talks with our elevators are are, are hearing about. It. So, so how it's come up is we're hearing about it. We see it on social media some too, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but it's a lot of time it comes up because our customers, who we say this is a terrible thing and a lot of risk you probably don't want, um, are competing with this sort of stuff. So, um, and and taking spread risk is a lot like. Uh, like I, I have these conversations with folks about getting their hedges in on time, or a uh, merchandiser that says you know i 'm going i 'm going wait the the farmer sells them something it 's an update farmer sells them something because markets are up and he, eh, it's, I feel like it 's going to keep going a little bit so i 'm going to wait to hedge well that 's speculating you know and uh of course and, and I tell them this but but oftentimes the person. Who is doing this, making this decision to not hedge, or in this case, hedge in the wrong month, uh, is not the person whose capital is at risk <laughs> for this. So there is. So I, I like to make the delineation of what are you going to get some extra big bonus because you got to hedge it a couple cents higher, or in this case, you picked up an extra ten cents on the spread. Like, are you going to get some big bonus out of that? Or what, if it, if, if it happens the way you hope, mm-hmm. what, what are you going to personally benefit? Well, you know, I don't know. Over time, maybe if I can show, okay, we can have that, that talk. What, what about if it doesn't? <laughs> we, you've taken this risk now, and if it blows up, you know, astronomically, you're going to get fired. Why, why, why take this risk? And if you are good at this, and you do it well a couple times and present it, they're going to expect you to keep doing it. And as soon as you don't, they're going to, you know, it's just, it's just not worth it. But, but that's, that's the thing is this, it's not the business. This is not the grain business. It's, it's price risk. It's, it's in this case, spread risk that is not part of your business.
0: And, and, you know, I think it is important to make the distinction between speculation and calculation. You know, we, we throw speculation around and it's fine. If you want to speculate, that's fine. But I, I think it comes down to, you know, intent, uh, like you said, Jason, we, we've got we've got risks that we can take or choose not to take in this business. So in the simplest format, we hedge, we, we want to do away with price risk, we want basis risk. And to some lesser degree, spread risk. You know, we need spreads to do, do some moving for things to happen. Um, so it's just a matter of, of what risk you want and what the calculated return is to take on that risk, which is the main reason we hedge off price risk because we want basis risk. basic basis has a you know somewhat of a consistent pattern you're in you're out it's a lot easier to trade spreads are probably right below that in in it you know in their predictability that way at least in the the way they behave and then price is the the least thing that you have any understanding of um, unless you do that you know harmonic balancing stuff or you're going to uranus and (laughs) <laughs> mars corn and whatnot but you know that's a that's a topic for another day
1: <laughs> we we um uh, no it, it it is when you think of your business and who you look to for your advice on risk management well you look to your broker and and you you gotta a lot of times people just say well you know they've maybe thought this through a lot more than I have, or they're they're more on top of it and they just kind of blindly follow. And again, that person is guiding, not the person whose capital is at risk, right? If it's a co-op, it's, it's a, it's a farmer, it's your board. They're not involved in what month you're hedging. Mm -hmm. Uh, if it's, if it's a, a private company and you're just the merchandiser, he's probably not involved in deciding whether you're hedging in July or December, you know? So, um, so it's it's a bunch of things that can can kind of mix together and make that sort of environment that we're seeing right now.
0: Yeah. And, and it just seems lopsided. The risk reward just seems lopsided overall on it.
1: Right. So so I would but hopefully if may, maybe your company's doing some of this or maybe you're doing some of this and um we're not here to tell you, you know, you're you're an idiot or you're evil or or anything, but you you might need to understand there's another side to that advice a lot of people just say oh he's telling me this is what people are doing and they don't know there's 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 other side to that coin and there's there's risks that maybe you're not aware of so hopefully um hopefully you can at least value that risk properly now i'm not yeah
0: and if you look at it too what's some of the the fallout of doing this well like anytime you you do anything with spreads pre-spreads or something like this if you put this thing on, say, last month and your company's financial year end is, say, the end of June. And maybe everything else is roses. You've got good margins, but you've got this dog of a spread now that you got on that's gone against you. And you've got this loss posted on your year end. That's going to be fun to explain. I've got this loss on something that hasn't, well, we won't even see until a year out from now. And, and you're forced into a position to have to discuss, hey, why did you do this and why is this spread on? What are we doing here? That's not fun, but you better prepare for it. You know, looking back, like Jason said, look at the numbers when we first uh, was talking about this. This issue come up. That spread was 5 cent inverted, flat 5 cent inverted, and now it's almost 50 cent inverted. Right. Guess what, Mr. Merchant does? Is you've put up 40, 45 cents of margin money on a spread that's been going against you ever since then. On grain you don't have yet and won't for a year. And in a, in a place that you don't even, shouldn't even be needing a margin on it.
1: Yeah, try explaining that to, to your banker who you tell that you hedge everything and, yeah, right. and you're in the wrong month. So,
0: you know, typically say say you might say, well, Roger, if there's a rally, you're going to be putting up margin money anyway in a position. That's true. But if it gets up high enough and I, I want a, some margin relief, what do I do? I sell some of that grain for 2020 now and price it out. If I sell to someone that'll let me price it, exchange futures, I don't have that margin call risk anymore. Guess what? You can't do that with this. I can do it, but I've got to take a spread off and then I've locked in whatever that loss may happen to be at this right. point. So right. you are really stuck with it until either it goes back to a level above where you set it or next end of next June. You know, you're you're stuck with it for a while. So we talked about this and and the point of this isn't an unprecedented thing. So what does that mean, Jason? What's have we seen this before? Is there something in the you know, sometime in the last twenty years maybe that We've, we've heard about this happening.
1: Yeah, let me, let me take you back to the mid-90s. Oh, what? you mean like the time
0: around Princess Diana getting a divorce?
1: Yeah, life was simple. The economy, she was a roaring. It was, it was great. It was boom times in, here in America. The Spice Girls uh, released their, their new chart-topping hit. And even bigger, the Major League Soccer made its debut in America. That's right. You had the uh, the Summer Olympics in Atlanta going on. It was good. We had, had Carrie Strug doing flips on broken ankles and all this stuff. It was, it was a great time to be an American, that's for sure. And
0: Jason, you're a huge Tom Cruise fan, and you've had to remember that this was the year Mission Impossible hit theaters.
1: Absolutely. Tom Cruise, Ving Rhames, this
0: is a perfect duo.
1: Yeah, and and then and then you also, you know, it. it if we, we go to the box office there, we had... This this young lad named Will Smith bursting onto the scene in uh in his big biggest movie uh to date, Independence Day. Might have heard of it. Aliens were involved, I believe. The Mars rover landed on Mars. Dolly the sheep, she was a cloned, and everybody thought Artificially. Yeah, everybody thought, holy smoke, this is uh something's happening. DVDs
0: came out in Japan
1: in this year. Yeah, that's you a, know great, all about both of those things. Great test market uh, to to start out with DVDs. Um, now Roger doesn't even have a DVD player in his house, do you? This is correct. Yeah, it's crazy. Google Fiber, man. It's crazy how far we've come. Yeah, millennials don't wear deodorant anymore, and Roger does not have DVD players. It's Crazy. So what year are we talking about? Well, of course, the year of our Lord
0: nineteen ninety six. All these things happened then. What else happened that year, Jason?
1: My 13th birthday. Is that what you're talking about? Was that your bar mitzvah? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we were talking about being Sons of David. Hey, that, nice callback, Roger. That was good. Hey, you're welcome. So 1996. <laughs> is our uh, our sponsor today. Sure. And, and the year. Yes. Just so that's clear for everyone. There you go.
0: We got paid per mention of events. <laughs> A so. great
1: year all we got to do is develop a time machine and go back and collect our money.
0: A great year, except for one big thing. That year, going into that year, there was also this idea floating around in middle America that farmers should be selling their grain to elevators and buyers, and the buyers should be hedging those new crop ninety six purchases versus July of ninety six futures. Why? Because there was a little inversion and everybody just said, had to go away.
1: More than a little inversion. And and uh, yeah, the crop wasn't there. Um, and I was I bringing up the chart here on my uh, handy dandy screen. And if you look around April uh, or so, the July to Deese was a 60 cent inversion. This is 1996. Yes. Yes. Uh, so just... Well, no brainer, right? Things got to go to carry, right, or at least even or come back almost. We're to gonna carry. make so much money, right? Sixty cents. I mean, that that's pretty good. That'll pay for a nice Disney trip for for me and the fam. It'll be good, Jason. Just curiosity's sake, what did that spread roll off at the end of June?
0: Uh, around a dollar and sixty cents oh, inverted. That would is, ladies and gentlemen, what you would call not working out correctly. <laughs>
1: Some people uh, refer to that as a little bit of a backfire. A
0: little bit of a hiccup, <laughs>
1: if you will. We, uh, so, yeah, you, you, folks are anticipating, hey, I'll pick up at least 60 cents, 50, 60 cents here, and they lost a and, dollar. Uh, and also, in some cases, lost their business. Yeah. Uh, multi-generational family businesses uh, and even farms. So this is an interesting thing here. Uh, we said for farmers, hey, this this doesn't affect you if you're selling to somebody to do this. But a lot of farmers had their own futures accounts. And um, and they were doing this or HTAs where the elevators allowed them to set their futures versus July and roll them out later. Um, the that in that case the farmer is eating that inverse.
0: And and bring that up because at least according to Ag Twitter, there's some of that happening. You know, there's a lot of questions on the farmer saying, "Well, why shouldn't I put on an HTA next July and then just roll it in a new crop?" And well. Better be hanging on to some of 19 corn just in case it doesn't work out for you. Right. If not, like you said, you're gonna be eating that, Dylan. It's it's un it's completely unnecessary. It's it has no there's no need for it anywhere.
1: Hopefully you get a little skeptical when you hear things like, hey, that stuff you normally make 20 cents. Here's an extra 60 cents on it. Uh, you know, gonna quadruple what you make. Um and so Just like a lot of those things don't really work out. Not, not No, they not materialize. In this case, they went aggressively against you the other way. There's a huge amount of risk from an old crop to a new crop spread, whether it's July SEP or July Ds. In this case, it goes to $1.50 inverse. Guys, this year, this year, started doing this spread uh, or or hedging in July around, you know, nickel, $0.10 inverted thinking, hey, it's going to flip around and we'll get an extra $0.25, $0.40. Well, now they're $0.40 in the hole. And, uh, you know, the, the funny thing about having these sorts of positions on is once you get in them and once they get going against you, then... You are you become a slave
0: to it. You are yeah. all consumed. Yeah.
1: Well, that and you're also out there telling everybody why your position is right, why it has to come back, and you're gonna you're going out there finding any information you can that would tell you hey, it's going to come back, and I'm going to be okay. And you just parrot it all over the place. And with the internet and Twitter and everything now, it's it's kind Planetary of embarrassing. Alignment. It's
0: you, you, <laughs> And speaking from someone who's tried to outsmart. Spreads before soybeans back in 12. Testify right you here. You can't do anything. You're paralyzed. This is against you. You can't make any forward progress. Okay, well, I've got this, this grain bought, which is great. So normally you've got grain bought, then you start looking at how am I going to maximize my space and making some sales past harvest and all this stuff. Oh, I'm not even there yet. It's kind of like we talk about producers. If they've got old crop grain sitting around that's not sold yet and they haven't got it done yet and new crop happens to or something, they're not going to do anything. They're going to wait, you know, typically they wait till they got old crop de- dealt with before they deal with new crop. Same thing happens in something like this for merchandisers. Same same stuff. You're dealing with the fire in front of you, not the one, by, you know, that's behind it. So what should you do instead, Jason?
1: You should operate a normal grain business.
0: Just keep on keeping on.
1: Yeah. As normal. You know, when you get in the, in the heat of things and, and things, I mean... Let's be clear here. We're not saying, "Oh, you know, ho hum, this is no big deal." And I, this is a challenging year. We we haven't got the crop in. The Eastern Corn Belt looks pretty bad. I I I'm going to But you know what? People planted corn. A lot of corn got planted. Maybe not all the acres we thought, but a lot of it did, and maybe it was crazy late, and that's true. But we we got a decent carryover, and there's, you know, there there's There's going to be corn come fall. There's going to be a line at the elevator for, for corn. So, um, so as a grain elevator, you need to start thinking ahead, thinking of that and, and how you're going to manage it and manage your risk and understand that, Hey, if I'm in one of those areas where there's no corn around because everybody didn't get it planted, took prevent plan or went to beans or whatever, I'm going to have a lot, maybe higher harvest basis than normal. Mm -hmm. And let's start going down that road or, or maybe you're in an area where it's really late planted and so that means a couple things so here's what guys are thinking about when i drive around um i was in illinois last week and and the big thing you got a couple of things one is this gives me an extra month to move my corn this year that's what that means uh, i have 13 months to move the crop instead of the normal 12. so uh, this gives people, uh, that like to procrastinate another reason to, mm-hmm. um, and to say, Hey, it's not that bad. So don't let that overcome you too much, but, but th- that's legitimate. You do, you do have extra time, which is good. Uh, if you have a lot of corn on hand, the other thing is I am probably going to be taking in everybody worried about early freeze. As soon as it's possible, they're going to be cutting it. They're probably going to be cutting it, uh, a lot wetter than normal. So Start you're going to have a lot of...
0: propane now.
1: A lot of high moisture corn. So people are make, trying to make plans of, hey, do I have a dryer? Do I have enough of drying capacity? Should I rent one? Should I buy one? This year it's my paper. But the other thing, of course, is do I have... Am I going to have some dry corn to mix with this as it's coming in and keep myself ahead too? Because that'll help it tremendously. And um, so all that stuff, th- this is... These are the discussions to be having and, and worried about, not wonder what that spread's gonna do that I have zero control over. You have lots of control over. Am I gonna get a dryer? Am I gonna rent one? Am I gonna uh carry old crop corn? You these these are these are things of about grain business and how how to run your grain business that you can control and you can make decisions and you can live with and you can you can uh, you can manage but
0: you can affect the output.
1: Yeah. There's but, other thing you can't.
0: It yeah. affects you.
1: Putting your spread. So what you're going to do, you're going to be consumed by that. And all these other challenges that are legitimate challenges this year and are unique, you're not going to be focused on. And you're not going to have a good plan on those because you're going to be too busy looking up articles about why the spread's going to come back and trying to find somebody who will, uh, who's a professed expert that will agree with you and all that stuff. So. That's that's the danger. So not, it's not just the danger of you're gonna lose your butt on this spread, which maybe you don't. And I, I hope I sure. hope it doesn't happen, right? But but it's it's a risk and it makes you worried. Um, not only that, if that does happen, but you've also put yourself behind other grain, grain elevators because. And you're not doing a good job for your customers to take care of them yeah. this fall with what you know is coming.
0: Yeah, and it just kind of struck me. If you think about the basis risk, risk on something like that, you paid 10 over July for something, and it rolls off, let's even say, a $0.40 cent inversion. You own something at 50 over now at harvest. And in most markets at that level, unless you're on the far fringe areas, if that's grain you've got to move, or if you look at the now and the spreads are flat, that's probably not going to be a margin, uh, a a beautifully margined bushel at all. Right. You know, so it's, uh, and because in these years where there, if there is a supply concern, you see all the basis movement up front, spreads flatten out, you know, all the opportunities on the front side of the season then uh, if, you know, if you just take roll spreads as they are and things like that. So anyway, there's a lot of things that you need to be paying attention on that this probably will hinder. Um, so just don't do it.
1: Yeah. That's easy. And if you've, and if you've done some, maybe it's against you right now. You know what the easiest thing to do is one stop. Don't do more of it. A lot of people get in the trap of, Hey, I'll just do a whole bunch more and average it down. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, you know, if I, if I do double the amount of bushels it only has to come back halfway. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so there's that, if you will, (laughs) that there is that, uh, mentality, but that just, that just gets you in deeper. You know, the, the best thing to do is get past it. Get, I'm not saying write those off, but, but, but get, don't do any more of it. If you can, just bite the bullet and take it. And you know what? There's going to be more bushels. Get past those bushels. Chances are there's not a ton of bushels you got that on. Don't get hung up oh, with fine. it. Overall, you're trading an average position over the entire year. You're going you're to trade this many bushels. You're going to buy them at an average or whatever. And my guess is what you've got hedged so far is not going to distort that yearly amount, that total average. Just by that much. Just um, get past it and get focused on the right things. Back to the fundamentals. You know, when everything's blowing up, the guy who can be calm and focused on the fundamental things uh, like buy basis, sell basis, and spreads, and not getting emotional—those are the guys that that make it through best this year and sleep the most. Also.
0: All right. Well, that was a really good take on a really
1: good topic. So. Thank you, Jason. Hot takes. They were, they were fun today. Um, yeah. This is good. So, folks,
0: we'd like to remind you to um, subscribe on your platform of choice. Give us some ratings. Give us some feedback on Twitter at Weevil Hog, at Hog Wheeler, or at Elevators Cut. Either of those three, we will see
1: eventually. For sure. Subscribe it, like it reach out to us share it with your friends and thanks for listening to these you guys and send us send us stuff you want to hear more about or or maybe you haven't heard anything about so you want to hear about in the first place we'd also do that do that but um, for Roger I'm Jason
0: for Jason I'm Roger
1: thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut Helped. out